My eyes then caught hold upon David's invitation in verse 4. Let God be magnified. It was as if the verse was highlighted and written just for me. I pondered the meaning and I began to imagine what it might look like for my situation. Let God be magnified. Let God be magnified. That scripture brought clarity in the middle of chaos. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. Today, we are bringing you Sarah Smith's story from San Antonio, Texas. And if you are a regular listener, you may say, you don't have a gathering in San Antonio. So here at Storytellers Live, we do have a balance of live gatherings, which we are currently in eight cities going into two more in the next few months. And what happens is a woman shows up and in a live gathering shares her story in a home. And we record all of those and those become podcast episodes. But also, some of you listen to storytellers. You have a story to share and you reach out to us on our website or on social media and you submit your story to us. And Sarah was one of those. Robin, I tell you what, I'm so excited that Sarah did reach out to us because her story is so powerful. Um, If you are in the middle right now of a difficult situation or you are in the middle of something that's just chaotic and you don't know what to do, she reminds us the importance of letting God be magnified. She points us right back to the word, and she also reminds us that God is still in the business of performing miracles. Her story is amazing, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Before we get to Sarah's story, you know, I told you earlier that she reached out to us and submitted her story, and she did that because a friend had shared the Storytellers Lab podcast with her. And that's how we continue to grow. It's how new women hear these stories of hope and get encouraged. And so we're asking you, we'd love when you share our stories, whether it's just texting them to a friend if it's sharing them on social media, but a huge way that you can help share stories is to rate and review. Spotify has a rate and review now. Apple, of course, does. And people actually see those and say, it was recommended to me on there and I started listening. And so if you are a listener and you love storytellers, would you take two minutes and stop what you're doing and go rate and review our podcast to help other women and men find stories of hope and hear Sarah's story. Well, I'm Sarah from San Antonio, Texas. A few months ago, I discovered Storytellers Live podcast, and I have been so encouraged by this incredible group of believers. So I feel honored to share my story about trusting God in uncertainty. You know, I feel like we are each brought to the edge of what we know so that we have the opportunity to rely on God's goodness and experience amazing miracles. And this is exactly what happened to me. I grew up in Georgia with amazing parents, amazing, incredible family. My parents were faithful examples to love God and serve others. And so I was so encouraged by them. And I have also have three amazing sisters. We had a lot of fun together too, you know, laughing, running around, chasing each other in the backyard. I don't remember having any struggles. Life was good. I was happy until I was eight years old. One day after school, my parents sat my sisters and I down on the couch and explained with tears streaming down their faces that my dad had adrenal cancer. The cancer had already spread throughout his entire body. And doctor said there was no hope. And my daddy, my hero, 
my protector, my very best friend, only had about six months left to live. I was heartbroken. My sadness was so overwhelming that I ran away from my feelings. I, I ran upstairs to my bedroom. I began organizing my dresser drawers and I just tuned everything out. My suppressed stress began manifesting in physical symptoms. So two years after that time, I was 10 years old and noticed that I couldn't balance very well in gymnastics. Six years later, I suddenly lost hearing in my right ear one day. It was summertime and I was swimming a lot to distract myself from the pain of losing my dad who passed away several months earlier. So his life was extended from that six months to eight years. We had amazing memories together and I was trying to run away from my pain once again by swimming. It was quiet under the water. I felt safe like I was in my own little world. So naturally, I assumed that water from the pool got stuck in my ear. My mom took me to a local ear doctor, gave me a hearing test, and he said, you are completely 100% deaf in your right ear. The causes for sudden hearing loss are still unclear. You are so young and healthy. So I, I say it's from a virus. I was shocked. I was devastated. I remember crying, wondering how I got this virus. None of my sisters got the virus. It seems so unfair. The school year began. I was a junior in high school, hanging out with my friends and figuring out what to wear to school was what I was used to worrying about, not sudden deafness. I hated not being able to hear out of one ear. Social situations were awkward. <laughs> I didn't feel connected with my friends anymore. So I distanced myself even further from them. Isolating myself was easier than having to try to listen so hard and feel embarrassed all the time. After school, I took walks by myself to get away from everything. My town has miles of golf cart paths that you know intertwine through the woods. And I just remember walking out there and it was so refreshing, you know, with all the trees and the, the butterflies, the flowers, I just naturally opened up my heart to the creator. And I grew up believing that I was a child of God. So I could sense on those walks that my heavenly father really cared about me and loved me in a way that I had never experienced before. You know, I felt so out of place with my new disability, but I did feel connected with God. And that is what I needed to move forward. You know, the distraction and the noise of the world, hanging out with my friends, different things. Since that lesson, the distractions got quieter and I was able to more clearly discern God's voice. I could hear him better. And it was interesting because I could hear God's voice better with one ear than two, not because my physical hearing was diminished, but because my disability humbled me to where I was dependent upon God's guidance. This is when God really began tutoring me and teaching me how to trust him. After graduating from high school, I naturally wanted to share God's love with others. The love that was filled up in my heart, it was just overflowing. I couldn't contain it. Despite my physical and social disability, I stepped outside my comfort zone and went on a church mission trip. Now on my mission, I saw miracles. People, their hearts were changed. Their hard hearts were softened by hearing the word of God. 
their relationship with Jesus Christ healed things in their life. And it brought about amazing, amazing things that I was able to witness. I also had to learn Spanish on my mission and I struggled <laughs> with the language. I don't know how many people have had to learn a new language, but it was, did not come easy for me. I pressed forward and tried my best. Although my Spanish wasn't great, God helped me to be able to communicate and help others feel his love for them, which was my heart's desire. Over time, I, I began to get headaches. So as my spirit grew stronger on my mission, as I saw these miracles and as I was, you know, doing all these things, my body started to weaken. I began to get frequent headaches, which I brushed off. I tolerated, you know, on a mission, you're working hard and are tired. I didn't want to complain all the time and be a burden to those around me. I also experienced some facial twitches, which I brushed off as simply a symptom of stress. My body was talking to me and I ignored it. After my mission, I attended college and studied business for the first semester. Then I felt a sudden impression that I needed to switch my major to Spanish education. <laughs> After struggling with the language on my mission, I thought anything but Spanish. Uh, I mean, I would have rather studied automotive engineering and that was not my talent or interest. I sat on the impression for about a month. I really didn't want to study Spanish. I distracted myself with lots of activities so that I could forget about it. I tried rationalizing my way out of it. I even bargained with God. After a while of still feeling unsettled, I searched the scriptures for strength to follow God's will. I took a deep breath, gathered my courage, and walked through the doors of the academic advising center and switched my major. Semester after semester, God's grace carried me. He helped me study. He helped me pass my tests. He strengthened me way beyond my natural capacity, especially with my memory struggles and being deaf in one ear. God told me to sign up for a major that I didn't want to do or had the capacity to do, and he held my hand through the finish line. I learned that whatever God called me to do, he would equip me with the necessary resources and stamina to accomplish his purposes. Miraculously, I completed my college courses and I had the option to do my student teaching in a different state. I prayed asking which state I should go to and felt strongly that I needed to be in Arizona. I never lived in Arizona before and was excited for the new adventure. I was single at the time, so I thought maybe the reason why I feel so excited to go to Arizona is because I'm going to meet a cute looking guy and get married. <laughs> I was excited. While student teaching, my uncle who lived in Arizona told me about a hearing device, which was a recent invention that helped people like me with single-sided deafness. I went to check it out, and the ear doctor was very thorough and ordered an MRI or x-ray of my brain and inner ears as a prerequisite before being fitted for the special hearing aid. He said it's standard procedure for patients with sudden hearing loss. It should have been done years ago. I wasn't nervous about the MRI because my hearing loss was caused by a virus. The next week, I felt a sense of urgency that I needed to hurry up and complete all the requirements for student teaching. You know, there's a binder that you have to do with signatures and lesson plans. I got to work. And as a result, I completed all the requirements two months before it was due. I didn't know why I felt like I needed to get it done early. 
I was just relieved that I could enjoy the rest of student teaching and not have to worry about it. A few days later was my 25th birthday. I felt accomplished and happy. I just finished my student teaching requirements. I was excited about my future, thinking where I was going to land my first teaching job. I was making new friends and feeling more confident. I still remember blowing out the candles on my birthday cake, wishing and hoping for a wonderful upcoming year. I will never forget how quickly that excitement turned to panic. The day after my birthday was a follow-up appointment with the ear doctor. I checked in and the receptionist handed me an envelope. I sat down, opened it up, and read the first line of my MRI report. There is a large enhancing mass on the right posterior part of the brain. I didn't understand it, so I read it again slowly. There is a large enhancing mass on the right, and at this point I'm touching the back of my head, my right posterior part of the brain. I felt sick. My heart started pounding. And then I heard my name. The doctor stood at the door. As we were walking back to the room, the doctor turned to me and said, you have a tumor and it's big. <laughs> I felt absolutely blindsided. The possibility of having a brain tumor was the furthest thing from my mind. I followed him into a room and he turned on a computer to show me my MRI scan. He traced my gigantic tumor with his finger. A cold shiver ran down my spine. I started sweating. I felt so sick. I felt like I was going to throw up. The air was thick. The doctor, he just was so fascinated by, by my tumor. He didn't bother to mention that my tumor was not cancerous until the very end of the appointment because he was distracted by the size of my tumor. He kept zooming in saying, I've, I've never seen one so big before. It's huge. I thought he was so insensitive to say it so bluntly. He didn't bother to mention that my yeah, tumor was not cancerous. So I was, my dad died from cancer uh, when I was 16 and I was sitting there thinking I was going to die. And I, I even asked him, am I dying? Am I going to die? And he quickly said, if you don't get surgery soon, then yes, you would die. <laughs> I felt like crying. I was angry at his lack of bedside manners. I walked up and just left. I didn't even excuse myself. I didn't even bother to check out. I didn't want to look the receptionist in the eyes who handed me my MRI report. I sat alone all by myself in my car and wept. I was petrified. I felt like a deer in headlights. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't in the right state of mind to drive home. So there I sat, frozen in fear, trying to comprehend what just happened. After a while, I started covering my symptoms and connecting the dots. I reflected back to when I was 10 years old and couldn't balance very well. Losing my hearing at 16 wasn't caused by a virus. I thought about all those difficult, you know, the difficulty learning Spanish with my memory and all the college courses on my mission and, you know, college. I just, oh my gosh, I was just frozen with fear. And I just couldn't believe that my tumor had been growing in my head for more than 15 years. How could I have been so blind to not piece together my symptoms? I had seen doctors through the years because I knew something was wrong, but all the doctors, they just said, it's all in your head because my blood test kept coming back normal, which it was all in my head. I wanted to run away from the situation, but there was nowhere to go. Trivial matters and material possessions lost their importance. 
Only one thing mattered, survival. I called my mom because she was waiting to hear how the appointment went to pay for the hearing device for my birthday present. She went silent, trying to comprehend what I was telling her. She had already lost her husband, and now she was faced with the possibility of losing her daughter. I explained more of what the doctor told me, and then we cried together. I was so upset. The day before was my birthday, and then in a second, my life flipped upside down. My mom took a red-eye flight to be with me. I hardly slept a wink that night. I kept tossing and turning and kept thinking, maybe my morning, all this will just be a bad dream. Before sunrise, my mom texted me that she landed and would be over within the hour to see me. During breakfast, my mom tried to tell me that everything was going to be okay, but I couldn't help wonder if that was true. My apartment was a few miles away from Barrow Neurological Institute, which is a world-renowned hospital for brain research and surgery. My mom drove me there to meet Dr. Randall Porter, one of their top neurosurgeons. He turned on his computer to show us my MRI scan. My stomach turned in knots. My mom was shocked at how big the tumor was. She thought I was exaggerating. Dr. Porter said, you have an acoustic neuroma, a rare, slow-growing, benign tumor that grows on the nerve connecting the inner ear to the brain. Your acoustic neuroma has grown so much that it not only destroyed your entire cochlear nerve, but it's putting tremendous pressure on your brainstem, significantly displacing it over. I cannot believe, he said, that you don't have more serious symptoms because the brainstem controls vital functions like breathing, <laughs> like all the big things. I told him to be honest and straight with me with you know what we were dealing with. He said an acoustic neuroma has three different categories, small, medium, and large. Your acoustic neuroma is twice the size of a typical large. So the gigantic size, asymmetrical shape, and location of your tumor sitting right there on the brainstem, pushing it over, makes this surgery complicated. He said it frankly doesn't get more serious than this. I will have to shave the side of your head and make a big incision in order to get the tumor out. The surgery will last three days. The first day, I will remove the tumor very carefully for 12 hours, or the second day, I will allow your brain to slowly shift back in place without the tumor being there. And then the third day, I will go in for another 10 hours and get as close to the brainstem as possible. I asked what the prognosis looked like for this type of surgery, and he said, with your case, the possible complications are very high. Stroke coma, brain damage, infections, dizziness and headaches for the rest of your life, blurry or double vision, severe balance issues needing a walker or wheelchair, raspy voice, speech problems, breathing difficulties requiring a tracheostomy. Have you ever seen people with a little hole in their throat that can't breathe? Inability to swallow needing a feeding tube and definite facial paralysis because the tumor has been stretching out your right facial muscles for over 15 years. So when I remove that tumor, the right um, side of your face will droop. The muscles will be stretched out. Small acoustic neuromas cause facial paralysis, and yours is the largest I have ever seen. I am very sorry. I looked the doctor straight in the eyes and said, just pull the plug. Who wants to live with all those disabilities? Being a natural born planner, I was filled with panic as I realized that I had zero control of my life. I felt completely overwhelmed as that the world was caving in around me and there was no way out. 
I cried myself to sleep that night feeling abandoned by God, the one person I trusted. I was mad at him and heartbroken. How could he let this happen? He had been there for me throughout my life. And now, where was he? I was confused and scared. I wasn't ready to die or barely live with such severe disabilities. I was only 25 years old. It wasn't supposed to be this way. I wasn't married yet. I didn't have children. There were so many things that I wanted to do with my life. I had dreams and they were all hanging by a thread. The next morning, I woke up with a migraine and felt like staying in bed with the covers pulled up over my head. I wanted to hide from reality. My mom encouraged me to get up and pray with her. I didn't want to, but I reluctantly did. And when I did, I started crying so hard. I poured out my heart to Heavenly Father, begging him for comfort. I needed hope for miraculous healing. I needed immediate rescuing. I picked up my Bible and randomly flipped it open to Psalm chapter 70. David's cries resonated deeply within my soul. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. My eyes then caught hold upon David's invitation in verse 4. Let God be magnified. It was as if the verse was highlighted and written just for me. I pondered the meaning and I began to imagine what it might look like for my situation. Let God be magnified. Let God be magnified. That scripture brought clarity in the middle of chaos. I realized that I had two choices to make. I could either lock myself in my bedroom, being paralyzed by fear, continue to wallow in self-pity and be mad at the ear doctor who never gave me an MRI when I was a teenager, or I could start believing in a miracle. Those four words, let God be magnified, created a space for my mind to pause and breathe so I could then look up and focus my attention on someone bigger than myself. It opened the possibility for a miracle. It became my anchor when my world was spinning out of control. It reframed my perspective from viewing my diagnosis as my final uncontrollable fate and drowning in my sad looking future to seeing my situation as God's opportunity to show himself. I'm so glad that my mom was with me. She's amazing. And she pulled me out of the ditch and guided me toward the light. She helped me step away from thinking about all the uncertainties, how the surgery was going to go, what complications I would have. She told me to get off of Google. I was Googling acoustic neuromas images like Oh my gosh, get off of Google and go to God. <laughs> she helped me step away from thinking about all those uncertainties and helped me focus on what I was certain about. As I waited my scheduled surgery, I spent time pondering and internalizing my beliefs that I developed from childhood. So I had several weeks before my surgery because Barrow Neurological Institute was world-renowned, so they couldn't get me in any sooner. Stories from the scriptures flooded my mind. I remember when God gave Moses power to part the Red Sea, when he saved the Israelites from danger, God protected Daniel from the lions, Jesus cleansed the lepers and healed a blind man. Jesus said that the man was blind so the works of God could be manifested. Christ fed a group of 5,000 people with only five loaves of bread and two fishes, which was all they had. He was able to magnify their humble offering. Jesus was resurrected and lives today, so his miracles are still possible. Growing up in a strong, faith-filled home, I knew where to turn when life got hard. I thought about when my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Our whole family came together in prayer and relied upon God's word and scripture. We felt an added measure of peace and strength that was unexplainable. 
We experienced miracles during those years. I reflected upon all the transformations I saw in my mission. The fact that the Lord helped me learn Spanish with a growing brain tumor, memory struggles, and hearing loss was miraculous. How God carried me through college with a Spanish degree proved that he could do anything. God helped me see that his fingerprints were all over the situation, from changing my major to Arizona, to the hearing aid, and then my surgeon. I was also relieved to find out that I was still covered under my mom's great medical insurance being 25 and not 26 because out of pocket, my surgery would have cost over $1 million. The impeccable timing of it all was not a coincidence. God was working in the details and things unfolded just how they were supposed to. When I first learned about my brain tumor, my glasses, if you will, were foggy because of anger and fear. Time and introspection cleared that fog away, and I was able to see the workings of God's hand all around me. I thought, God showed me his kindness in the past. So why wouldn't that same faithful God who I know come through now when I need him most? What if my world is not falling apart, but rather coming together into perfect alignment? I read powerful scriptures to prepare for battle and rest my worries in truth. The Lord will fight for you. You only need be still. Exodus 14, 14. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Isaiah 54, 17. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Joshua 1, 5. Scripture teaches that God is the same today and tomorrow. I realized that doctors could diagnose and give a predicted out outcome. But in the end, God has the final say. My gigantic brain tumor is not bigger than God. The bigger the tumor, the bigger God can show up. I didn't know how or if he would deliver me. I just knew that he could. The morning of surgery, I woke up with adrenaline pumping throughout my body. My heart was pounding. My stomach was filled with butterflies as I anxiously waited to see what God was going to do. I felt similar to how I imagined David felt before he, through the power of God, defeated the giant Goliath. As my mom drove me to the hospital, I kept repeating in my mind, let God be magnified. Let God be magnified. I could sense that God was ready to fight for me. I checked into the hospital, signed some consent forms, and changed into a hospital gown in a private room. I looked at myself in the mirror, took a deep breath, and knelt down on the cold tile. I prayed with all the energy of my soul. I surrendered my life, my expectations, and the outcome of surgery into God's hands. I stood up and went to find my mom to give her a tight hug. Then I walked to the surgery prep room. The nurses were busy getting me ready. They put an IV in, hooked me up to the monitors. Then my neurosurgeon walked in and asked if he could say a prayer over me. I was touched by his humility being a brilliant neurosurgeon to ask for heaven's help. Afterwards, the anesthesiologist came over and said, it's time. I prayed in my mind. God, this is it. Both hands are up. It's your time to show the world who you are. Then the room went dark. My mom was in the waiting room, desperately praying for a miracle. Friends and family around the country were fasting, praying, and waiting. After 13 long hours, my surgeon walked up to my mom in the waiting room and said, I have never experienced such smooth sailing during brain surgery before. The tumor came right out and there is no need for the predicted three-day surgery. Praise God. My mom was so relieved. 
She called my family and friends to tell them the great news. After the anesthesia wore off, I woke up in the ICU. A team of nurses came in. They all huddled in a circle to stand ready in case any serious complications had occurred. Then my uncomfortable ventilator was removed. Everyone's eyes were on me, waiting to see what happened next. I gasped for air. I could breathe on my own. I was so relieved that I didn't have to worry about one of the predicted complications. I was asked to speak, no speech problems. I was given some food. Although my right neck muscles were paralyzed and still are to this day, I can swallow normally. I could see clearly, no double or blurry vision. I started snapping and rubbing my fingers together near my right ear to check my hearing. And I was surprised to be able to hear a little better. My hearing wasn't restored completely, but I was so excited to be able to hear anything from my right side again. The nurses were speechless. My mom was given permission to come in. I smiled and my right, my right face uh, drooped a little bit because my muscles were weak, weak from surgery. Dr. Porter then walked in the room looking tired, if you, as you can imagine. I thanked him over and over for being so careful during surgery and taking such good care of me. Dr. Porter smiled and humbly said, I was just the instrument. Your surgery and outcome are medically unexplainable. By the way, I checked your facial muscles during surgery and they are very healthy and strong. As you start to recover and regain your strength, the muscles on the right side of your face uh, will come back up, will form back up, and you will smile symmetrically again. Tears of gratitude streamed down my cheeks. I was only 25 years old. I didn't want a droopy face. I wasn't married yet. <laughs> As I laid in the ICU bed, basking in the fact that I didn't have any serious complications, I soon realized that my recovery would not be easy. After intense brain surgery, I had to relearn how to walk. I remember standing at the end of the ICU hallway, holding onto a walker in front of me. I was so discouraged. My nurse said, pick up your right leg. I didn't know how to do that. I just stood there and God spoke to my mind. He said, Sarah, I got you through surgery. Now trust me in your recovery. With frustrating practice, my balance returned and walking became natural again. I walked out of the hospital five days after surgery and was off strong pain medicine after seven. My doctor was expecting me to be in the hospital for weeks or even months, depending on the severity of my complications. The medical team at Barrow Neurological Institute treated me with excellent care. My outcome was a beautiful culmination of skilled medical professionals who were being guided by our all-powerful creator. I flew home to Georgia to recover. Since my surgery went smoothly and my general well-being afterwards was miraculous, I assumed that my recovery would take a few weeks or months. That was not the case. For a year and a half, I struggled with extreme fatigue, headaches, insomnia, and depression. Emotionally, I felt left behind. I saw my friends on Facebook moving forward with their lives, getting jobs and having fun. During that painfully long time, Jesus comforted my heart and increased my patience. He wasn't just a picture in a frame. He was my savior, my healer, and my loyal friend. I felt close to the one who really understands when life is unfair. God did not cause my pain. God helped alleviate my pain. Jesus was my remedy and helped me rise again. Reflecting over everything that transpired elevated my perspective. God had not forgotten me like I thought that night I cried myself to sleep when I was first diagnosed. Rather, 
He was aware. He did care. He heard my cries. He was a few steps ahead of me, carefully guiding and protecting me from a life-threatening brain tumor. I was drowning in what appeared to be a hopeless situation, and God saved me. I would not have known how to fully surrender if I had not walked with God all those years and learned to trust Him. God was not late in rescuing me. He intentionally ripened my faith through tailored experiences and aligned my circumstances in every chapter of my life so that He could ultimately restore my life more abundantly. God was right on time. He desired to refine my heart through the process more than he wanted to quickly remove my physical discomforts and give me what I thought I needed. My loving God was more interested in expanding my joy than satisfying my temporary happiness. I grew to see miracles as gifts that are given by the most creative, wisest, all-knowing gift giver. These tangible and intangible gifts are packaged in a variety of sizes, shapes, and timeframes. One of my miraculous gifts was being able to graduate from student teaching since God encouraged me to hurry and complete all the requirements early. After I recovered from surgery, I flew back out to Arizona where I taught high school full-time and met my wonderful husband in Sunday school. I also made an appointment to see my neurosurgeon so that I could thank him. For being an instrument in God's hands, I gave him a custom-made trophy that I had engraved, world's greatest neurosurgeon. <laughs> Dr. Porter escorted me to his private office and put the trophy proudly next to a beautiful cross and large piece of artwork displaying my before and after MRI. Arizona will always have a special place in my heart. While living in the desert, I developed a love for cacti. They are such symbolic plants, so strong and resilient. It amazes me how beautiful flowers can bloom from something so hard and prickly. They remind me of life. Through time and healing, blessings can come from hardship. My difficult journey to parenthood has brought this analogy to life once again. I love being a mom. I don't know if I can get through this part. <laughs> I strive to provide my son Levi with the tools he needs in order to thrive in his life's journey. The most important one being rooted in the word of God. After I feed Levi in the mornings, I pick up the Bible and say, are you ready to hear God's word <laughs> and start your day off strong? He giggles and then listens while I read. Now I know he's too young to remember the words, but I do believe that his spirit will remember how he feels. And when he grows up and experiences his own challenges, because we all do, I hope that he will turn to God's word in scripture for comfort and deliverance. Reading stories and timeless truths in scripture during uncertainty is how I ultimately trusted God, how I learned to trust him. Trusting God means trusting his word, trusting his character, trusting his wisdom. It's fully surrendering control to his perfect sovereignty. It's believing what Paul wrote in Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do abundantly more than I could ask or imagine. This is what it means to let God be magnified. Recently, I celebrated my 33rd birthday, so it's been eight years since my surgery. Some days it's hard to believe that I unknowingly had a tumor growing in my brain for over 15 years. God was able to redeem a serious misdiagnosis. I am a living testament of God's reality, and I want to live the rest of my life showing magnitude for all that He has done for me. 
Sarah's story was so remarkable because like you said, Katie, in the intro, it shows that God is still in the business of miracles, which we know is true. (laughs) We just don't always see them. And for her to say that God answers prayer in the best way and at the right time, for her to be eight years out and she can easily look back and say, God knew all along Mm -hmm. that he was going to be in those details. And we talk about God showing up and being in the details Mm -hmm. and the picture of he glues together our brokenness. We are going to have brokenness, but it is through Christ and what he did for us that he holds yeah. all things together. And also right at the very end where she said he is trustworthy in the waiting. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just a very powerful statement for someone who's listening right now. I don't like to wait. What about you? I, I I'm not either. a patient person, so I appreciate that reminder. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And then just, you know, her talking about God's fingerprints were all over the situation when she was able to reflect back on, she actually said, you know, when God showed up, which of yeah. course, yeah, we, we know like that's, that. our, <laughs> that's the Bible study title for our Bible study that's out in our new one that's coming out about mm-hmm. stories of freedom. But, you know, one of the things that I thought was just so, I, I guess it just hit me because we heard this statement not too long ago, was when she said that when she lost hearing in one ear, that she said she could hear more clearly out of one ear than she ever did with two. And it reminds me back on Julie Green's episode, which was episode 150. Julie lost sight in her eye, and she said, I was able to see more clearly with one eye than two. I I don't know. That just hit me when she said that. Absolutely. Um, But then, uh, you know, just the reflection that she went through after she found out all these things about how mad she could be at God, or she could reflect back on where he showed up in her life and trust him in the waiting. Mm -hmm. Because she did. She had so many opportunities to make a choice Mm -hmm. of, she said, I could be angry or I could let God perform a miracle. <laughs> she said, I could have the perspective of what if my world isn't coming apart, but he's aligning it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My world is coming aligned. And there were so many choices in there where she she had the opportunity to be angry with the doctor. Absolutely. You know, it, it just gives <laughs> us so much perspective and encouragement to say we can choose how we feel. Mm -hmm. We can choose to live in bitterness and anger and the what ifs, or we can choose to say, this is not what I signed Mm -hmm. up for, but God, I trust you. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a reminder as well is, you know, those emotions were reaction out of what she was thinking on. Mm -hmm. And when her mom took her right back to scripture, those thoughts aligned with God, and then the emotions followed of, I'm going to trust and I'm not going to be angry or bitter or resentful of the doctor who misdiagnosed me when I was 15 years old. Right. We've seen so many times that, you know, God's word, if we have it, if we know it, then it comes up in the waiting or in the brokenness or in the difficult. That's something that we can all lean on. Yeah. And she gave so many at the end of her story. She has so many scriptures and so much encouragement Mm -hmm. that you may have pulled out a notebook and written some notes. Go back and listen again if you need to, to help you or to encourage someone else going through a difficult or chaotic time. Thanks for listening. We're so thankful to Sarah for sharing her story. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.